I want to just uh, share something with you tonight uh, that's developing on my heart, and uh, I really sense that that this is a, a, could be a foundational word for us as a church uh, as we head into 2016. I've shared it with the elders. Uh, we had a morning on Saturday, which was again part of the prayer week. We spent a lot of time in prayer together and talking around this this word, and then with the staff team as well. I want to share it with you on a wider basis. Have you ever heard the phrase, come on, enter in? If you've been maybe playing a game, and you played games over Christmas? Yeah, both of you. Okay, right. No, a lot of you did, or I know you did, okay, because that's what we all do, okay? I don't know whether that's other cultures, but certainly British people, that's when the board games come out at Christmas, isn't it? Uh, and, and, and sometimes there may be some of you around that table or around that room that don't really want to play games. Is there any of you out there that don't want to play games? Yeah, okay. And somebody will say to you, come on, enter in. All right, enter in. And maybe you've been on holiday and you've been around a pool and maybe you see other people diving at the swimming pool and they turn and look at me, come on, get in, enter in. And I don't know how you get into a swimming pool, but it's very interesting sociologically, I think, to watch how people get into a swimming pool. Really interesting. You've got those kind of type A extrovert people that just run and jump and hope there's water in the pool, all right, because they haven't even checked that. And then you get the others who are a little more cautious and maybe they dip their toe in it, yeah, and they put their ankle in it. Oh, no, it's cold and we'll come back. And, and eventually, if you want to experience the pool, you've got to enter in. Many years ago, Alice and my wife um, did a, a parachute jump for charity. And so uh, I was away actually at the time and I would never do that because me and Heights just don't go together at all. But she was up in an aeroplane and it got to 15,000 feet and the moment came when she had to enter in fully to that experience. She could not have said, I'm going to partially jump out this plane. It just wouldn't happen. She had to fully enter in. And here's the thought, nothing in life that you want to experience fully can be experienced unless you fully enter in. And over the Christmas and New Year period, I felt God say to me that this is the year, Zion, for us to fully enter in. And as I listened to God and as I began to think and to pray and to, and to develop these thoughts, never once, using that song, has God said anything to me at the moment about the building. This is not about the building. That will happen. All right? That will happen. We'll get a new building or whatever will happen will happen. That will happen. But what I felt God say to me is that this is the year to enter in fully to what God has for you as individuals, as families, and as a church. And um, one of the um, uh, things that I, I think I, I felt God say is that, you know, if you look back into the, our 35th anniversary, which was in October of 2014, uh, our theme there was breaking through. Do you remember? And we had great breakthrough there financially and in other ways. And then we began to talk about moving beyond the war because we'd broken through some moving beyond the war. And then at the start of last year, we began to really focus on reaching un the unchurched people and, and really focusing into reaching lost people. And we've seen incredible things through 2015. More visitors come through this year than ever in our history. And so it's almost like God has said to me, we've had breakthrough. We're moving beyond the war, but now we must fully enter in to what God has for us. And that's not just about unchurched people. That's about you and I as believers and followers of Jesus as well. And there's an incredible few verses in the book of Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite books in the whole of the Bible. And, and, and Joshua is all about what God's intention for Israel was, was this. It was never to just bring them out of Egypt. It was always to bring them out of Egypt so he could bring them into the promised land. 
And what so often happens is many of us as Christians, we come out of Egypt, which is like we give our lives to Jesus, we come out of slavery, we come out of sin, we get baptized, we become Christians, we become out of that. But then somewhere between coming out of that and entering into the promised land, we get stuck in the wilderness. And we can go round and round and round and we can die in the wilderness and never ever fully enter into what God has for us. And it says in Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, "Um, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the river into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. God said to Joshua, lead the people to enter in to the land that I have for them. And there are three areas that I feel God is speaking to us about. And I don't fully know what all this means, okay? But I think there are these three areas. Firstly, for us to enter into God's promise for you and I. And that's the life that God has called us to live. And the Bible says that, you know, that when they were in slavery, he said, I'm going to lead you out of Egypt and I'm going to lead you into a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. And that picture of milk and honey is a picture. Okay, that's natural stuff, but it's a picture of the life of the spirit, the full life of the spirit that God intends us to live. But what happened in the wilderness was a strange thing. You see, that journey from, uh, it, from the beginning of the wilderness to the end of the wilderness, from Egypt to Canaan, should have taken 11 days. It took 40 years. And the reason was they wandered round and round and round and they got disobedient and they got distracted and they got disillusioned and and all other kinds of things. But there's an interesting thing that happened because every day in a season of that period, um, God provided supernaturally to them manna from heaven. Remember that? In fact, in the day one of the devotionals, we referenced that, okay? And that's brilliant. It was the supernatural provision of God. It was manna and they ate the manna. And the interesting thing is that in Exodus 16, 31, there's a really strange verse. It says, in the morning when the dew was there, when they looked at the dew, they looked at the wet around on the, on the grass and on the ground, there was the manna. It said it was white like coriander seed and it tasted like wafers made with honey. So it was white and wet and it tasted like honey. And God said, when you go into the fullness of the land, it'll be a land flowing with Milk and honey. But what they experienced was the taste of honey on their lips and the look of milk, but it wasn't the real thing. It was like God gave them a taste of what was to come, but some of them never fully entered in. And I want to say to you, we've got loads of loads of new Christians in the church, and we've got loads of people who are exploring faith, and we've got loads of people who've been Christian a long time. It is possible for you to be a Christian and never fully enter in to what God has for you, and that's a tragedy. It's possible for us to live with a taste of honey on our lips and never really experience what life is meant to be like in the promised land. And this is the year when we're going to enter in. Amen. This is the year that we are going to enter in. We want to experience more of God's fullness in our lives than we've ever experienced before. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know any of that. But I know that I believe that God has said that to us. Secondly, Believe that God has said this is the year for us to enter in more to God's rest. It's a very interesting concept. Uh, God said to Joshua and to the tribes after he said that bit I read later on in the same chapter. Remember the command that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you after he said the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. And there is something about entering into the rest of God as well as entering into the fullness of God. Entering the rest of God is a powerful idea. I said a little bit about this Sunday morning. In Psalm 23, we get the picture of the sheep and the shepherd and the relationship between us as the sheep 
and God as the shepherd. And we don't like being called sheep because it feels like an insult to our intelligence. But it's actually meant to unlock our vulnerability and our sense of dependency on God. And I'm experiencing more and more, and this is something that we talked about as staff, and I'll talk about that in a moment uh, to you. More and more I'm experiencing that there are some things in life that I can do nothing about. Anyone else have experienced that? And I think the longer you go on as a Christian, the more you realize, you know, when I was younger, so much younger than... No, that's another song. When I was younger, I used to think that, you know, if I got everything right, and if I was smart enough and worked hard enough, then we can make things happen. And God, you'll join me, won't you, as I make things happen. I'm, exp- I'm, a, I'm a beginning, beginning at last, nearly 50 I am, beginning to understand that there are some things in life that I can do nothing about. All I can do is enter into the rest that God has for me. And what the shepherd used to do was, as you know, when we looked at the series, he would create the place for the still waters and for those pools and for the green pastures. And when the sheep entered into that space that they had done nothing to create or to, or to take part in, when they entered into that, he would restore their soul. And uh, we talked uh, over the last couple of days as a staff of how we are so wired for activity. And we are an activity-wired church. And we're good at activity and we're good at events and we're good at putting on stuff. And, and as soon as we think about something, we, we can get a strategy and we can, do, we can do all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's brilliant. But one of the guys in the team had a picture while we were away of almost a, of a canoe that was kind of trying to canoe against the current. And we felt God was saying that there will be times when we'll need to do something that is counterintuitive to us, that's almost against our nature. We need to swim against the current because what we'll need to do is not to be more active, but to enter into God's rest. And when we enter into God's rest and allow God to restore us and allow God to do things, then out of that will flow activity, but it will be driven by him and not driven by us. Does that make any sense? In Jeremiah 17, 21 to 22, interesting. This is what the Lord says. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day or bring it through the gates of Jerusalem. Do not bring a load out of your house or do any work on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your ancestors. God says, don't be carrying any baggage on the Sabbath day. Now, I was brought up to believe that keeping the Sabbath day holy was going to church on a Sunday and not watching TV. Anyone else be brought up like that? Okay, that's what I was brought up to believe the Sabbath day is all about. That's not the Sabbath at all. It's part of it, but that's not really what God means by entering into the Sabbath rest. You see, Sabbath is not just about a day. Sabbath is about a season and it's about an experience. You see, God worked in the book of Genesis for six days flat out. And on the seventh day, what did, what did he do? He rested because all the work had been done and, he was there. and then man entered into the rest that God had already created. And actually work only came in after the fall in, in one sense and when sin came in later on. But when, God, but when man entered into the rest that God had created, man did nothing to, to earn that rest. God did it all. And if you fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus did all that he did. And then when he was on the cross, he, crowd, he cried out that Greek Aramaic word, tetelestai, which literally means it is finished. He's done all the work and then he died and then he entered in. He was risen again and he went into the right hand of the Father. He entered the rest of the Father. Now what we do is that we enter the rest because he's already done the work. So we enter into the full experience because God has already done the work. Does this make any sense? And it's almost like God is saying to us, I believe, there are going to be moments in your life when you will enter into God's rest. That's not about inactivity. It's about a sense of, I can do nothing about this situation. What I can do is I can enter into your rest. And out of that place, you can restore my soul. And out of that place, you can breathe life. 
And out of that place, some of the loads and the baggage and the stuff that we carry can be dealt with in a good way. Hebrews 4, 6. When you, let me read this to you with that as a backdrop. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in, it's talking about the wilderness, the promised land, because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, is what he's saying, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. It's really deep theology. Let me just try and explain it to you. Basically, the day that he's talking about is not a day, it's a season. It's a sense of an experience of entering into the rest of God. It's not just a day. Sabbath day is not just a day. <laughs> you know, you, when I was brought up, the Sabbath day was you, don't, you go to church on a Sunday, you don't watch TV, you certainly don't go to the cinema or anything sick, wicked like that, and you worship God. But do you know what? I do worship God on a Sunday, but I worship God on a Saturday as well, and on a Monday, and on a Tuesday, and on a Is anyone with me? Because the Sabbath day, keeping it holy, is not a day. It's a life experience. And we enter into the rest that God has already done. And then Jesus cries out, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll deal with that baggage. And I, I, I want to say to you guys, this is the year for us to deal with our baggage. And, you know, often in marriages... You know, we marry often believing the other people can, the other person can take some of the weight in our life. But then we understand, when we realize that they've got baggage also. In fact, I think often men look for a maid to clear up their mess rather than a wife to walk out their relationship with. And maybe we come to the point where we think, do you know what? Rather than looking at carrying weight and all that and you carry my weight and I carry maybe we should both just cast all our weight onto him. Because that's what the Bible says, isn't it? For he cares for us. This year, we're going to experience more of the supernatural rest of God. And then thirdly, entering into God's world. And there's so much in this. Jesus came to them, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' final instructions were for us to fully enter into God's world, just like he did when he came as a baby. And he grew up to be a man and he fully entered into our world. That's what the incarnation that we've celebrated at Christmas is all about and you know, we as a church, I want to make some bold statements tonight. We are not going to retreat this year, but we're going to advance. Just because our building's burnt down and we don't quite know what's going to happen about it, we are not going to retreat, we're going to advance. Amen? We are not going to preserve, we're going to invest. We are not going to close up, we're going to open up. We're going to swim against the tide, we're going to swim against the current that might seem natural, okay, of retreat and surrender, and closing up, we're going to go the other way, because that's what God's calling us to do. Just as he opened up, and as he entered in, so are we. And as the elders Saturday, and as the staff this morning were separately, but, but, but praying around, and, and sharing around these things, both groups felt that what this meant was not necessarily loads more activity, but a change of mindset and attitude to the activity that we're already involved in. It's so exciting. On, on, in the, I was going to say in the bus, in the, in the van as we were coming back, we were 
picking up emails and stuff and, and someone uh, in, in this room uh, is, 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 was corresponding with one of the guys about running an alpha course in their workplace and can we help them? Come on! That's entering into the world, isn't it? That's about saying, do you know what? We're not going to just sit back and retreat, but we're going to advance and we're going to fully enter in. Now, it isn't necessarily more activity, but it's looking at the place where you already are. How can I have a change of mindset and fully engage in the gospel right where I am? Not ma- now, yet, yeah, maybe that means doing the alpha thing, but not in another place, but in the place where they are. Fantastic. We believe, we felt that God was saying that, that, that it, this is going to take an awareness of where God is moving and then for us to join him in what he is doing. One of the big things we've been praying and thinking about is the whole thing of adoption and fostering and that whole deal. And we know that there are many, many of you in this room who are already entered into that world. And we applaud you, but God is saying to us as a church, we believe that we need to get more behind you and we need to enter more fully in to that thing that God is already doing here in this church. And I don't know what that means, and I don't know anything about that, and none of us do, but we just sense God is saying, enter in. And one of the things that we were talking about was, do you know that story right at the end of the book of John, where the resurrected Jesus appears uh, to the disciples, and they're fishing. Do you remember that? And they, they didn't catch anything all night long. And Jesus said, throw the nets over the other side. And when they threw the nets over the other side, they pulled in a massive amount of fish. And it was hard work. Okay, they still had hard work to do. Just because God provided a miracle, they still had to pull it in. And the, and the Bible says the nets were stretching. They stretched, but they weren't broken. Because when you cast your nets where Jesus tells you to, you may be stretched, but you'll never be broken. And what we felt God saying was that this year we need to be more sensitive to where Jesus is telling us to throw our nets. Because when we do that, we may be stretched and it may be hard work, but A, we won't be broken, and B, there'll be a massive catch. There'll be a massive catch. What we sense this meant was entering into the issues in our world more, entering into the mess, entering into the grey. It means building bridges in our community, not barriers. It means finding common ground, finding connections, getting our hands dirty whilst keeping our hearts right. It means entering into people's lives. It means in, in people in faith and outside of faith. It means not just doing acts of service like Stuff the Slay, great though that was, but becoming servants. There's a difference between doing an act of service and becoming a servant. And so here's a thought. Could we start in all this right here in church? Could we start entering in fully right here where we are? Let me give you some things. Maybe life group, community. You know, I can't, I'm going to preach for hours if I'm not careful here, which I won't do, all right? But you know, you may not be in a life group. You may not be connected into community here. Okay, you'll still go to heaven when you die if you're a Christian, all right? But can I just ask you, enter in. And you might think, well, I don't need it. Well, maybe you don't, and maybe you do, but we could talk about that separately. Maybe you don't, okay? But maybe the people in the group need what you've got. If you are in a life group, do you attend or do you enter in? We've all been to groups and sat around and nodded our head and said all the right words and, and, and done all that and gone home. But, but that's attending a group or there's entering in. Maybe we could start right here. Maybe the area you serve in. You know, are you on the rotor or are you entering in? Are you fully entering in? Are you playing your part? Yes, but are you entering in? Maybe events and opportunities and that, we, that we put on and that we create. Are you entering into those? You know, or are you just maybe nodding at them or going occasionally or whatever? Are you entering in? You know, we've got so many new people, new people in the faith. 
And I look around and I think, and there are so many experienced people in the faith, and sometimes those two people never seem to meet. You don't have to look for new people to invest in. They're right here. You don't need to look for new people to disciple. They're right here. What we need is a change of mindset. What we need is a change of attitude. What we need to do is to enter in. We need to enter in. And if we can't do it in here, we've got no chance of doing it out there. And so to finish, just let me give you three little things as we finish. How are we to enter in this year? And I felt God developed this uh, other part uh, of this message. Firstly, I believe God said to me, Leon, you guys, you as a church, have got to enter into this year with some patience. How many of you love patience? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> but here's a verse for you. John 13, verse 7. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. I wish I had that verse on August the 31st last year. Because I still don't understand what the fire was all about because I'm not there yet. I know that God has done some great things uh, since that. But I'm in this verse here where I do not realize what exactly God is doing. But I know later I'll understand. And that's a brilliant verse because as you and I head through 2016, there will be moments when we don't realize what is happening. But we need to hold on to the fact that God does and one day we might as well. One day later we might. So we need to have some patience. But secondly, we need to enter with hope. You know, God led um, and Joshua led the people into the promised land out of his own grief and disappointment because his mentor and his spiritual father, Moses, had just died. And it was out of that grief and disappointment that God said, get up and lead them into the promised land. And so he got up and he got over his grief and disappointment by entering in with hope that God is good, even though what he'd experienced, he couldn't quite understand. And I know there are so many of you in this room and you know that God is good, even though your experience is hard to understand. And that's hope. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not, I hope it doesn't rain again tomorrow, which it probably will, all right? Hope is not, I hope my team doesn't get relegated, which mine definitely will, okay? That's not hope. Hope is based on concrete evidence and concrete assurance in what we don't see, but that's just as real. And that's what biblical hope is about. So enter with patience and enter with hope and then... <laughs> enter with boldness. The word to Joshua said, be strong and courageous. How many remember that old song, be bold, be strong? For the Lord your God is with you. Be bold, be strong. For the Lord your God is with you. I am not afraid. Come on, I am not dismayed. Because I'm walking in faith and victory. Come on, I walk in faith and victory. For the Lord your God. It's beautiful. It's with. They don't write them like that anymore, do they? Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. What an incredible thing to enter into 2016 with, guys, yeah? Let's be bold. And so what we are thinking about, what we sense God is saying to us, and all I can do is just rattle this at you, and we will expand on this in the next few weeks and months. We this year will reach more people than we have ever reached before. I don't know how. I don't know where God will tell us to throw the nets. I don't know what we'll do. 
We're really believing for Easter this year. We've got some great ideas coming out of the last couple of days, all right, on lots of flip chart bits of paper. We're really sensing God say, you know, what was happening at Christmas there? Let's take that, make that bigger. We want to make Christmas bigger than this year. We want to use Easter much more. We want to be open to other leadings, but we want to reach more people than we've ever reached before. Secondly, we want to help more people grow than we've ever helped before. It is possible for us to be deep and wide. It is possible for us to reach the lost and to see believers grow in their faith. It's not easy, but it's possible. Because when you meet Jesus, you meet someone who is the deepest person you've ever met and was the widest person with the most accessibility to those who were far from God. Like lost people went to him as a magnet and yet he was the deepest man who'd ever lived. So we want to help more people grow than we've ever helped before. And then finally, finally, we want to serve more people in our community than we've ever served before. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know how. But we're just sensing God saying to us, this year, enter in. Are you with me? Are you with us? Let's stand. I just want to ask you just for a moment. Because we are going to pray tonight. But I'm going to ask you for a moment just to try and forget about everybody else around you just for a moment, okay? And I want to ask you to just to bring yourself to the Lord right now. Right now, just bring yourself to the Lord and say, God, I want to enter in. And I know that there will be some of us and some of you are what they call early adopters. You don't need any information. You don't need... You just bang, there's the swimming pool, you're going to dive straight in. Some of you, you're already there. And some of you are later adopters, and you need to know, is the water in that pool I'm jumping into? Or is there a parachute on my back if I'm jumping? And I understand all that. I understand all of that. I understand we're wired differently, and that's the uniqueness of who we are and the uniqueness of our God. But I want to ask you, whatever your personality, whatever your preference, whatever your experience, And none of us know what this means, but could we tonight, could we say to God, God, I want to enter in. I might might dip my toe in and then pull it out again, but God, would you hold me and would 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 you nudge me and would you encourage me and would you draw me? God, I want to enter in more fully this year. I don't want to be one of those Christians that that has the taste of honey on their lips, but never has the experience of living in the land flowing with milk and honey. I want to enter in. And I want to be one of these Christians that carries baggage around with me all year. I want to enter into your rest to know what it is to be restored by the supernatural intervention of a loving shepherd God. And God, I want to enter in to the world that you've placed me in. You know, folks, life is short, really short. And there are people in your world that need to know God and you could be the only Jesus that they ever see. So I want to say, right at the start, can we say to God, Lord, here I am. And I want to enter in. I want to enter fully in. Fully in. I'm all in. I'm all in. Holding nothing back. Holding nothing back. I want to enter in. Lord, we want to say to you tonight, that's us. Is there anyone? Lord, we want to say, that's us. We want to enter in, God, this year. We want to enter into relationships, Lord. 
We want to enter into serving. We want to enter in, God, with those people that we meet with our neighbors, God, who's moved into our street. Can we enter in into their lives? God, the elderly that, that maybe never get a, a visit or never get anyone dropping on their, on their door, God, we could enter in. And God, I don't know what it means, but God, we, we say to you tonight, we want to enter in. We want to enter in fully. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you come? God, I thank you tonight that you enter fully in. You hold nothing back. And as you enter fully in, God, we say, help us to be like that. This broken world needs you now more than it ever has. God, we we think of today and all of our doctors are on strike. And God, the strife and the brokenness in our world. And God, we say, Lord, we need you. God, would you enter into us? And Lord, when would we enter in to our world, we pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here.